Hello and welcome to episode 299 of the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. Today I have a special guest on the pod, Toby. You've been on the platform now for around five or six months. So welcome to the episode. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, pretty quiet day, but yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, it'll be great to have a chat. And I think it's good to just get someone on the platform who's sort of been on not for like years and years, like a lot of the traders that I get on the platform and um, get on the podcast um, and someone who's kind of been on during the transition into the order book system as well and during all the drops as well, because it's been quite a crazy five months and it's not really reflected the last three or four years on the platform. It's been quite different. But first of all, would you mind telling us about your journey on Football Index, how you got into it, first of all, and how you found it so far? Yeah, okay. So um, I had heard about the platform probably for the last couple of years now and had spoken to a couple of my friends about it um, who had kind of put probably 20 or 30 quid into it um, but never really got into it. And as I say, probably towards the end of May, beginning of June, um, me and one of my friends from uni were both just talking about it um, and both just decided to have a go. I think the £500 uh, money back within seven days if you don't like it, it was kind of, is kind of a good way um, to entice people into the platform and obviously the £10 bonus um, so put in I think it was £50 as a first deposit and I've kind of just built up from there um, obviously came on possibly not at the right time um, just before so many changes have been made but um, yeah that's kind of how I started yeah and you've got sort of more engaged uh, you've got like a Twitter account now um... And yeah, so how, how were you finding things in terms of the market dynamics? And actually, the better question there. So what were, you, what were you making of like the massive drops? So like last month we had the, I think people call it Black Sunday and like so many players like the market were just dropping a huge amount. Was your portfolio impacted by that? And what was your overall sort of feelings and opinions on that? Um, to be fair, I wasn't massively, massively worried about it. I mean, I haven't got the biggest portfolio by any mm. means, but um, I I was kind of just of the view that more of my players are longer holds anyway. So um, as I say, I wasn't massively worried about it, but on the big WhatsApp group that I'm on and across Twitter, I was seeing lots and lots of people panicking. Um, and I think the fact that it didn't pick up straight away did maybe worry me a little bit, but... Yeah, as I said, I probably wasn't as worried as a lot of people were um, because, yeah, as I say, quite a few of my players are longer term holds. Yeah, and uh, you said earlier that like you listen to my podcast um, and you listen to a couple of the other Football Index podcasts. You think like they kind of helped you stay confident and just sort of reassure you during that? Yeah, definitely. So? I mean, yeah, I mean, social media is kind of the opposite to um, the podcast. Every Everyone that I've listened to on the pods have been kind of positive more experienced traders, more longer term traders. Whereas a lot of what I saw on Twitter and on the WhatsApp group that I was on was, yeah, very negative and um, kind of get out of holds. But I don't know, it's a hard one. It kind of depends on people's personal situations as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really think the key thing is to just have your own sort of independent view whilst assessing all of the information take on board what like different podcast hosts are saying take on board what other people are saying and sort of on twitter social media like you know in your whatsapp group but overall you've got to just form your own judgment and you've got to also think right who am i listening who am i listening to here because like overall i think during that period of time 
it probably was best to listen to a lot of the traders who I'd been on for years and years and had kind of seen other drops and seen the market pick back up and really understood that ultimately the money's going to um, go back into these players because the dividend yields are so good and that's always going to attract people to the platform. So um, it's just good that you kind of, you listen to that. And you said as well, how a lot of your holds are, well, you're trying to buy players for longer term holds. So what sort of players have you gone for so far? Um, so I started off being a bit of a football manager geek um, tried to kind of go that way. So I've got uh, players that are potentially good on there, like um, Michael Cousins from Bayern Munich, who's now at Marseille, uh, is one that I kind of went big-ish into um, at the start. But I mean, I've got, I've, I've got quite a few youth players um, and obviously quite a few of their prices have dropped. So I don't really want to get rid of them at um, lower prices so for example Conor Gallagher uh, is one of the players that I've gone quite big into I think he's one of my biggest holds and same with Dwight McNeil yeah um, so my personal view is that they've gone down in price and might be able to pick up more dividends elsewhere in the near future but longer term I can't I just can't really see their prices dropping um, and as we saw with Dwight McNeil the other night he picked up some dividends in a nil-nil draw as well so that was a little bonus for me yeah, absolutely. They're, they're two solid picks, really. Uh, both have got really high price ceilings because they're young English. I think they're both in yeah. the England youth squads as well. And um, Dwight McNeil, I mean, his base PB scores are really impressive because he takes yeah. quite a few of their set pieces and he suits the PB matrix really well. So if he got a move, he'd do really well. Um, and you're a Charlton fan, right? Because yes. Conor, Gallag Conor Gallagher was at you boys last season, weren't he? He was, yeah. Yeah. Um, first half of the season only and was by far our best player um, in terms of you could just see technically he was kind of head and shoulders above the rest uh, unfortunately he went to Swansea in January but I did did follow him closely and he did really well there as well so I'm glad he's got a move to a Premier League team probably West Brom's not the best move for him but um, he looks like he's quite likely to play a lot he's playing tomorrow night I think against Brighton so we'll see how he gets on there but I think um in that nil-nil draw against Burnley last week, uh, where Dwight McNeil won top midfielder, Gallagher actually, I think, came second in the midfield charts. So not oh, a bad really? base score. I think so, yeah. I think he got 107 or something. Yeah, that's not so, bad at all. Yeah, he's one I should probably watch a bit closer. I actually remember tipping him on Facebook. I think it was probably about two seasons ago now. So I'd watched oh, yeah. him play for Chelsea under-19s for UEFA Youth Week. So I was yeah. back at like 60p or something. I mean, obviously, the market's grown a crazy amount since. So I'm not sure if that's even like a good tip or not compared to average market <laughs> growth. But like, yeah, I, I remember watching him and he, he looked good. Uh, but the other player who was playing was Billy Gilmore as well. Oh, yeah. And then they had George McEachran, who's not done anything since. And I I really rated George McEachran, which was a weird one. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a bit of a... Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of an unknown man. I think he went off to maybe the Eredivisie um, or maybe even the second division in in Holland. Um, but yeah, anyway, Conor Gallagher, I mean, yeah, I think the prospect for him doing well, quite high. Uh, he got a lot of goals for Charlton last season. Maybe he started the season off like in crazy form. He got like, I don't know, five goals in five or something. Like that, yeah. Didn't yeah, something good like that. And then he didn't, then weirdly didn't score any at Swansea, but I think he got six assists or something um, and played pretty much 90 minutes every week there too. Right, yeah, that's a really interesting one. I'm actually going to keep a closer eye on him from now on, I think. Uh, buy price £1.44 at the moment, no instant sell price. So, 
yeah. we'll probably get some bids matched on him at quite a low price. I think the thing is with like these kind of holes like Conor Gallagher is you're going to have to wait on them really until they do break through at uh, at their main club. Like if he was to get a couple of games under his belt at Chelsea, his price really could fly. And that's the main thing. You're just waiting yeah, exactly. for that, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, also with him, I think he's probably been my most active player in terms of buying and selling. Um, I've probably sold all of my shares and bought back for cheaper, like about five or six times in the last few months. Um, so his price does fluctuate quite a lot, which is good. But I think most recently I've been buying him at about 122, 123. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, great stuff. Yeah, it's good to hear that you've been like trading in and out as well. Yeah. Um, what do you make of like the matching engine then how, how are you finding trading in general are you actively trading and like how often would you say actually that you do make a trade uh, on um, average I, I went through a period i think it was kind of august Sept september where i hadn't put any money in um all of, i think that was when the market was really stagnant and you mentioned that a lot in your podcast at that sort of time yeah. um but um more recently let's have a look quickly i think i put some money in towards the start of october when the market was just turning um but in terms of actual trading because as i said quite a lot of my um players with longer term holds their their prices all dropped quite a bit so players like gallagher for example wasn't playing um and i was kind of just dipping in and out a little bit but not not really too much if i'm being honest yeah yeah, well, I suppose if they're like long-term holds, then uh, you can kind of just watch them grow. Is there any other young players coming through at Charlton? Um, Alfie Doughty, who's linked with Celtic earlier in the window, uh, is a left winger, obviously not on the platform at the minute, but um, he's one to look out for. He's really quick uh, and he's kind of came into, the seat, came into the team halfway through last season and has done really well. Um, I know you mentioned about Dylan Levitt from United, the other day, he was on loan there. Uh, he started the last game that came off at half-time. I think probably the conditions just weren't quite right for him um, the other day. But Charlton do seem to have quite a, quite a good uh, youth academy. So a lot of players like um, Concer and Gomez, both doing well at the minute in the Premier League, both from Charlton. So, yeah, keep a, keep a look at the season and see. Yeah, some good centre-backs there coming through then, uh, yeah. young English ones. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and at the moment then, so would you say, you, you, who, who would be like your top three holes? Would, would you put McNeil and Gallagher in there if, <laughs> um, you, if you were to like make a recommendation so far? Probably not, if I'm being honest. Um, I did have a look at this the other day when you asked me. Um, probably top one will be a really boring one at the minute, but Kimmich. Um, and I did, as I said, I did have him down the other day, but Obviously, after winning um, Divs last night, it's probably even more of a boring shout. But uh, was he seven pound now? So yeah, when I wrote him down about three days ago, he was uh, his buy price was six forty. So he's shot up already. Um, but I just I can't see how over the next three years his price is going to go down and do not make money through dividends. Um, so he's probably I would say is the safest hold on the platform. Um, two others from me. Um, Sabitza at Leipzig. Um, I've got some shares in Sabitza and I just think he's a good PV player. His price is pretty low. And we saw last night or yesterday, he's on penalties now as well. Oh, is he? I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah, Yeah, he scored the winner last night after coming off the bench from the penalty spot. So hopefully that will boost his scores a bit. 
Yeah, I think like with the RB Leipzig side, they just, I've spoken about this loads of times on the pod, but uh, they just rotate so frequently and that can hold players' prices back, uh, hold players' prices back. And then once they do get to play more regularly again, their price can really shoot up. And like Siddiqui, yeah. he hit quite a few PB scores last season, over 200. Yeah, he He's definitely got potential to uh, match their dividends this season. And with him being on penalties, all he really needs to do now is start to get bacon the game time under his belt and I think he'll yeah. definitely be up there at some point. Yeah. Um, and the other player that I've gone for is someone else that I hold and I wouldn't have bought him at the minute at the price that I hold, but Virgil van Dijk, um, his price has dropped to 122, I think I saw earlier, his instant sell at, um, which is crazy. Obviously, he's out for the season, but at 122, he's one of the best PB defenders, isn't he? Um, it's just it's just one you've got to be really patient on. Jeez, yeah. I hadn't even noticed that either. You know what? I feel like I need to be a bit more active. I'm, I'm sort of slipping <laughs> here. But yeah, Van Dyke at 120, it's not yeah. a bad hold. It, the main thing about that, and I feel like it's just, it's kind of an obvious point in this, but it's like kind of two words that sums this up. It's just like opportunity cost. That's all it is. I mean... Yeah his price will be higher than £1.20 in 12 months' yeah. time. I think that's almost guaranteed. Um, but it's just, can you make more money? So yeah. in, in the meanwhile, and like you mentioned Kimmich there, like with someone like Kimmich just earning dividends all the time and compounding those dividends, you're going to be maybe making even better returns than Brian Van Dyke. And it's just, you've got to weigh up so many variables. It's, it's an interesting one though. I think all three are great picks, to be honest with you. Um, and I think all three are are probably going to return a huge amount of their price and dividends. I've been thinking a lot about Kimmich lately um, at £7 and I was doing some research today and I noticed that he, I think he's hit more PB scores, um, 200 plus than anyone else on the platform by like quite some way. Um, it was 23 PB scores since the start of last season, yeah. which is just a crazy number. But I also know it's like he, yeah, it's, it's really just unreal um, how consistent he is. And, well, there's a few points to make on Kimmich. I think, to be honest, you could probably have a full podcast just talking about Joshua Kimmich. Like, there's, there's so many points because you had, like, the Twitter community a few months ago as well. And a lot of people, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people were kind of talking him down when he got moved to a midfielder and saying that he yeah. wasn't going to earn much in dividends and this again is the point that I'm always making you have to sort of independently assess players values or just make sure you're listening to kind of the right people and um, because you know otherwise you're not going to make the best returns possible in my opinion and people are so biased towards different holds based on whether they hold them themselves or not and um, but yeah this season so far four PB scores over 200 out of five PB scores, that's just unreal. Uh, but the interesting thing I found about him is that he's not actually hit a peak score over 255, which isn't actually the best. And yeah. those scores, that were 255, were for Germany. I know well, one was for Germany, actually, and one was for Bayern Munich. But it's, it's just interesting how he's always hitting sort of between 200 and 255, really. He's never hitting, it was like Neymar scores of like 280 plus. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that is interesting. Um, funny one about him as well. My mate actually texted me this morning, um, laughing at me. I just looked at the picture. I texted one of my mates about Kimmich on the 5th of October, so probably about three weeks ago now, and his sell price was about 520. So Oof. he's got really two quid since then. And I was debating whether to get him. 
um, put in bids, I think, at about 5.40. And obviously, that was too low at the time. So that's that's one thing that I've learned um, is don't try and be too greedy and go too low if you think it's a player that is going to earn you the money. Yeah, do, do you not have any gimmick then at the moment? Nope, missed out on him. Ah, sorry to hear that. To be fair, like, my story on gimmicks even worse. I had, like, truth be told, I actually had, at one point, not too long ago, I had 1,200 shares in gimmick. And I sold them all at, well, I think when it hit around £6 or, yeah, around £6 or so. So not long ago, only a few weeks ago, since then he's earned 28p in match dividends and gone up a pound. So it's like over a thousand pounds eventually would have been earned. But there we go. I mean, these kind of things happen. Um, thing is with Kimmich for me now is like his price is so built up on these past returns. I don't know how much further his price can grow. I also think he has been a little, I'm not, this is debatable, but I personally think he's been a little bit lucky to win match day dividends um, on some games in recent weeks. Like other midfielders haven't been hitting the PB scores I would have expected. I think the average um, sort of PB scores needed to earn match day dividends on gold match days was quite a lot higher than some of the scores that Kimmich has been hitting. So that also needs to be looked at. I think looking at dividends in isolation isn't the best way to sort of evaluate a player's value. And we've seen this twice with Kimmich because first of all, we saw with him not earning as much in dividends as he probably should have done given how how high his PB scores were. And that's when everyone was sort of talking him down. And now we're seeing the opposite. And overall, I think um, the sort of, dividends returned will end up kind of just regressing to to the mean of i, I don't know it's, it's it's kind of a complicated thing to explain but overall yeah. i'm just not sure if he's going to earn dividends as much as he has over the last few months and i think i'm, I'm not sure if his price is going to rise that much further but yeah we'll see no, what happens. yeah <laughs> it's an interesting one though Kimmich. like honestly um i do find i think overall he is a good hold and uh, i think pb earners PB dividend winners at the moment are like probably the most attractive players like Neymar as well. Um, I'm a really big fan of Neymar at the moment and him earning match day dividends this weekend as well was great because he didn't even score. Um, oh, no, yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was quite attractive to me. Uh, what, sort, what other like young players have, have you got like on the lookout then? You mentioned uh, you're like a fan of football manager. Have you found some other players on football um, manager? One that's going to be really boring for you because you speak about him quite a lot, um, Nikola Vlasic. Yeah, Nikola um, Vlasic, my man. I, I can talk about him for you know a long time yeah. as well. I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, do you do you hold him yourself? Uh, yeah, not very many shares, but mm. yeah, I do. Um, uh, absolute shocker that was really good for me on a Charlton game, got me into the Premier League, was Carlos Elena. Um, who is at Barcelona and hasn't really got a look in. I thought he might have a slim chance when Koeman took over, um, Ronald Koeman, but yeah, that, that wasn't a very successful football manager pick. Um, bought him at uh, pat one pound and his buy price is now 67p. 67p, Gosh, that's a shocker, yeah. Where, where's he at now? Uh, he's at Barcelona, but I think he's only got off the bench once this season. Yeah, I was going to say, because... He was on loan last season at Betis for a little bit yeah. and they didn't even play much there. Um, oh, no. I didn't know if he'd gone on loan again or not. No. I've not seen anything about him. He looked like he had a fair bit of potential at one point, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not working out that one. Um, so how, how come you ended up going for Vlasic, by the way? Was that from Football Manager? 
Um, a little bit. I think he was kind of one of my earlier picks. That kind of so I chose a few players as soon as I got onto the platform. I did the standard thing, bought a few shares and a few players. Um, I then started doing a bit of research of some players from non-PB leagues, and he was just one of the ones that really stood out. Um, mm. Having been at Everton and kind of failed, and there's been a bit of talk over podcasts. I think it may have been from yours at one point about players that have moved away from PB leagues um, and are kind of very cheap for that reason. So it's almost like because they fail once, they then um, are not going to be able to get back into a PB league, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spoke about that a couple of times. Yeah, because you can get like a bit of a prejudice against a player if like it yeah. doesn't work out for them at one club. So there's quite a few that we've had that with um, a few examples of like players as well who have actually gone and done it in like other leagues obviously you got Vlasic there but like he was on Tadic I don't know he wasn't the best and then yeah. um, the other season in the Champions League for Ajax he was unbelievable at times yeah yeah there must be some there's quite a few players I mean I kind of want to remember some now uh, Stephen Bergwies has done alright over yeah. the Vizzi as well Uh but yeah, there's there's some players who've gone and done a lot better in non-PB leagues, and I guess like just kind of finding the right club is is so key. And then if they do have a bit of potential to come back, I mean one one great example actually is probably uh, Adione Callum. I mean he's he's playing at Watford. He, yeah. he wasn't standout player there, I don't think, and ended up at Man United a, a few seasons later after going to yeah. China, which is just crazy, really. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a, a probably a good a good point, and I, I think Vlasic will do well. I've talked about him enough times now, really, but uh, I'm really confident in him personally. I watched him the other night, and he stood out in that game. His PB was pretty poor, and he didn't really get on the ball much, so I was a bit disappointed. But overall, like he did show like glimpses of quality, and that's kind of what I was still looking for, I guess. Uh, so yeah, that, that's great. In terms of like being new to relatively new to football index, obviously being on like five or six months. Yeah. What would you say has been like the biggest sort of like learning curves on on joining? Like, um, what are the things that you think you've learned the most so far? Yeah. Um, so probably the biggest one that I talk with my mate about quite a lot is being patient, um, which I actually don't think I'm too bad at. Um, Obviously, it's a three-year bet, so a lot can happen in that time. And the four or five months I've been on, so much has happened already. Um, like the the dividends doubling in that time. Um, probably, I would also say, is do the research. So as I said, kind of with that Carlos Elena um, that I bought really towards the start of my journey, didn't do any research. And it was kind of when I didn't know what I was doing, so... Um, there was a few players that I just kind of took a punt on thinking, oh, he's a young player and he's got a lot of potential. So he's obviously going to rise a lot. Um, so, yeah, doing the research um, through lots of different avenues, really. I kind of look a lot on the Internet, read a lot of articles, listen to a lot of podcasts. So, yeah, kind of just really in the last couple of months, I've really just made sure that I've been sure about the, the players that I've picked. Um, and unless you get freak injuries like Van Dyke's, uh, season-long injury, then yeah. it's going to work out. Um, and probably the other thing is just being really active. So, as I say, listening to the podcast, actually going on the the platform every day, trying trying to not get too addicted to it. But um, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, WhatsApp group as well is good because it's always active. 
probably thousands of messages a day but yeah try and try and just talk to people as much as you can really yeah good stuff how many people in your whatsapp group by the way yeah i think there's like 260 or something oh geez i didn't even know there was like a, a whatsapp group that big um, <laughs> yeah that's a big one that uh Jeez, I must be busy. But yeah, I think there's some really good tips there for any anyone who's sort of new to Football Index or even who's been on a while. I think kind of doing that research and really making sure that the players that you're buying are quality and do have good chances of earning dividends in the future is probably the biggest lesson because like you mentioned, you know, buying into like Carlos Elena, um, perhaps because he looked like he had a bit of potential, he plays for a good team and so on. They're the kind of bets that can turn bad quite easily if the prices are already too high. And I know I've personally made a lot of a lot of bad bets, unfortunately, um, with those kind of players where it's like, ah, oh, they've got potential, surely they're only going to grow. Then the reality is a lot of those young players may not actually ever earn dividends in the future. So you've got to make sure you're right about those players. Um, it's a tricky thing to do, but I just say like in general, reading a lot of articles, there's a lot of data out there as well watching them as well if you can um, I, I really think that's that's key and you'll probably end up making much better returns in doing so and I also do think like being active on the app sort of scrolling through seeing what plays are rising which ones are dropping what the match day rankings are looking like is always just really useful as well yeah um, yeah quick question I was going to ask you as well um, Think another pod that I was listening to the other day. What would you say are is or what is a short, medium, and long-term hold? Mm, what would that good, be for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say yeah, for me, like wow, yeah, it's a tricky one. That I'd say short term, um, I'd probably go anywhere between within like twenty-four hours and maybe one week. Um, could, could be even shorter, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, literally sometimes I'll do a trade on a match day and I'll be done, you know, within 30 minutes. The other day I was trading Sancho and that was done in a few hours. So, yeah, short term, I'd say less than a week in general. Um, medium, anywhere from a week to maybe six weeks. And then long term, yes, that's, it's a tricky one because I guess I guess medium should be longer. Yeah, that's what like, I'm yeah, yeah, maybe mediums like anywhere from from like a month to six months, and then but then short, I feel like should be less than a week. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? It's it's a weird one. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like there should be like five different categories. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but, but yeah, and then we we're a long term hold. The thing is, it is a three year bet, and so really a long term hold should be like maybe three months to well with, with it being a three-year bet you could argue like a long-term hold should really be like six months plus like yeah. six months to three years but the reality is as i spoke about i think the podcast before i think most trades are made the average trade in time is like two days or something crazy like the commission that football index earn is just mad i think in general most trades are probably executed like as in most people will buy and sell a player in a much shorter time frame than we think. And it's probably within our sort of football index subculture with the social media and the podcast and everything that we have a lot of people holding players for much longer periods of time. I think people will probably be going onto the app and just buying and selling players, especially when they're just starting out a lot more frequently than a lot of people would think. 
And also, I do, I guess, overall, like we see with the price fluctuations. So, you know, players are changing in price all the time. And that just shows that a lot of people are trading very actively. Uh, but yeah, to, to answer your question, I guess I'd go short. And I still have to go, you know, I'll, I'll go for a month. We'll extend it to a month. We'll go extra short, less than a week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to add two extra categories, I think. I'm going to go, I'm going to add an extra short and I'm going to add an extra long. And we're going to go final answer, extra short, less than a week, short, less than a month, medium, one month to three months, long, three months to six months, extra long, six months plus. Bang. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's not, not too far off. Mine. I was just quite surprised from what I was listening to that quite a lot of the guys were saying, yeah, medium was kind of uh, like a week to between a month and three months and just my my personal ways that I hold I think I'm holding players for longer than that which I don't know probably is not the best for dividends but I would have said yeah long term is six months plus yeah I I was was just quite interested to hear that quite a lot of the guys were saying long term would be like two or three months plus yeah yeah I think like I probably is kind of right and in terms of like what other people do. In general, I imagine most people would see a long-term holder as holding a player for like a few months. Um, yeah. But it is a three-year bet. And so that's the that's the weird thing about it. Like my Nikola Vlasic holds, for example, I am genuinely, when, when I've been buying Kim, I'm really not even thinking about the next six months like at all, to be honest. Yeah. Kind of like people have often said to me, why are you buying him now when he's in a non-PB league and he's probably not going to move. But I've never even really thought about him moving within the next six months. It's always been, well, they've actually got the Euros in the World Cup with Croatia. Mm. And I think he's going to return a huge amount of dividends at those tournaments. And that's a bit of a bet. I think Football Index will do some nice promotions for those tournaments. And then the sort of margin of safety and the upside is just so high because you then have the potential for a PB move as well. So he's like a real long-term hold. And now the problem with that kind of hold is just that the opportunity cost is so high because I'm basically giving up the potential for earning dividends in that time. Yeah. And the dividend yields are so high that it's like, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe it would be better to have a Joshua Kimmich instead of a Nikola Vlasic because obviously Kimmich's probably going to do like a 20% return or whatever. So yeah, so it's a tricky one. But overall, I well, when I have a look nowadays, I'd say the most important thing is actually when you buy a player unless you're absolutely certain you'll be able to execute a trade in the short term and be profitable, always have a look at, at holding that player longer term. Because for me, I've made some trades where I've bought a player because I thought, ah, I've got a half a chance here of executing a good short-term trade. I'm going to sell this player within a week and make a profit. That's why, I, that's why I'll buy a player. And it's usually those trades that work out worse. When I buy players for the long term, that's when they end up usually best because you've always got to think, what is someone else in the market doing? Why are they going to buy my player? And longer term, people will usually end up buying the value best players. And so that's why I think overall it's best to kind of have that long-term trade in mind unless you're absolutely certain on short-term holes. Yeah, good so, answer. Uh, so yeah, sorry, I just went into a load of detail. I've been <laughs> thinking about... I've been thinking about that a lot lately and like I've learned a lot of lessons over the last few months because I know like some of my trades have been pretty poor and like doing that 5x IPD promotion. Did, did you get involved in that by the way? Um, 
not very much as i said i didn't really put very much money in at that point which looking back was probably not great but um probably the only one off the top of my head that i can think of that was actually a really short term hold was um kasper schmeichel i think i dipped in and out of him twice um kind of a week before they had three games and then maybe just before he kept a clean sheet so made a little bit out of him but i think he was the only one that i actually have really short-term traded yeah that, that's that's a great trade like i've kind of gone about Kasper Schmeichel but uh yeah for the in-play dividends like a lot of these goalkeepers are kind of forgotten yeah. now they were yeah. really in trend for a little while um but they're sort of out of favor so there probably is some really good value actually in goalkeepers i just don't think people are kind of looking there so the capital appreciation isn't there um but yeah like with the 5x ipd promotion i bought some players then that was just like ridiculous like i probably just shouldn't have bought them but i was thinking i'm going to sell this play in a week um and if they score they're going to do this and that i'm going to make this and that and that was just like the gambler in my mind yeah. thinking um and i think that's probably the problem with short-term trades is that they can be fueled by that potential of getting a really big return and the dopamine can kind of get the better of you. So that's what happened with me, but I've learned from that and hopefully I can like help other people avoid making the same mistakes. So that's why I'd say overall, I, I do think it's probably best to think longer term with a lot of players. Um, and I think like focusing just on the value and the dividends, you're going to be sound. Yeah, so uh, that, that kind of answers that one. Uh, but I didn't get into too much detail, kind of just went on a, a, a rampage, an absolute monologue for 10 minutes, but there we go. <laughs> All right, um, so how long have we been talking? We've been talking longer than longer than expected, to be fair. Yeah, uh, so we'll wrap it up here, actually, if that's all right with you. But it's been good speaking to you, Toby. been good having someone on who's sort of been on the platform five or six months. Thank you for coming on, as always. Uh, It's been a pleasure and best of luck with the rest of your Football Index career and I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Cheers. Thanks for everyone listening as well. Hope you've enjoyed the episode um, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.